Um, today we finish our study on the book of Acts as we see how Paul continues to boldly share the good news of Jesus Christ despite the hurdles he has continued to face. Uh, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 28 verses 23 through 31 in your Bibles or look up at the screens as I read the passage aloud. Hear the word of the Lord. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning, excuse me, from morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through the through Isaiah the prophet, go to his people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. <clears throat> he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, please join me in the responsive reading on the screens. All flesh is grass and is, all its beauty is like the flower of the field. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Welcome to everybody. It's good to see everybody here. Um, welcome back to those who have returned from Israel. We're glad that you're back safely. Um, and for those who are here in town from college or visiting for the holiday coming up, we're glad you're here. Today's a very special day as we gather together to study God's word as we have been doing throughout the fall. Today, we end the book of Acts. It's our last few verses of this book that we've been looking at all fall. And it's our final Stewardship Sunday, as you just saw um, the, the video from Pastor Bob in Israel. So I invite you to turn to the book of Acts, um, chapter 28, and we're gonna, we're gonna jump right in. But before we do that, um, I'm gonna open us in a word of prayer. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable in your sight, O Lord our rock and our redeemer. It is in Jesus Christ's name that we pray, amen. So we've been in this season of stewardship and what a great week to finish our series. This week, as we head into Thanksgiving, we have an opportunity to give thanks. We get an opportunity to be overflowed out of gratitude with turkey and pie and stuffing and all the wonderful things that we eat on Thanksgiving. But more than that, my prayer for all of us is that we would be filled to overflowing with the love of Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about being those, the conduits of God's love, that God's love pours into us to overflowing and that we can't help but have it spill out onto the people around us. And that is how we steward what God has given us. Stewardship being giving back to God what he has gifted us with originally. Giving to God every single day of ourselves, of our time, of our talents, and our treasures. So we're gonna dig deep into these la this last chapter of Acts as we see how Paul has given everything for the Lord. So has anyone, is anyone in here a track athlete? And run, has anyone run hurdles for 
any point in their lives. Anyone? Not a single soul. Okay. Oh, I see one right here. Madeline Everson. Thank you. Um, I am, as many of you know, I am not athletic at all. I have never been able to run the hurdles. But when I, if you've ever watched the Olympics and you watch the hurdles, you see the power and the technique and the mastery of this very difficult sport. I'm going to show you a picture. This woman is named Sydney McLaughlin. She is the world record holder for the 400 meter dash. What is it called? 400 meter run hurdle. Thank you. We got it. Um, and I mean, when you look at a picture like this, it's like undeniable that she has a gift that many of us in here do not possess, right? And she attacks these hurdles with strength, with finesse, with timing. I mean, like imagine getting both legs over, not just the first one, but you got to get the second one. That's the hardest one, right? To get that, that last little toe doesn't click the, the end of it. But like she's practically doing the splits in the air. Like her jumps are like super good and she's very gifted, right? I cannot run hurdles. And I don't know, no one in here raised their hand except for Madeline. And so hurdles are a very difficult sport. Hurdles are often scary because we think not only can we like maybe get over it if we like kind of hike up over and then, you know, but actually trying to run a race while you're hiking over hurdles is unique. Um, but this woman is, is incredible and she makes it look very easy. She makes it look just like boom, boom, boom. As you watch her, it's like, wow, she didn't hit one. I think I could do that. And you get out there and you're like, nope, sure can't. It's pretty high because the hurdles are like up to her like high waist. You know, they're not just little ones. I think I've only run them once in my life at a field day event in elementary school. And either like I wouldn't go over because I was too scared or I would try and the whole thing would fall and it was just a disaster. So hurdles are scary. But when we look at the hurdles in our lives, we see that we are constantly coming up against hurdles, right? And it looks like Paul in the book of Acts has done amazing work for the kingdom of God. But yet he continues to face hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. When we read about Paul, we sort of think about like this hurdler, like it looks so easy. Paul's doing this mission of the church. He's thousands and thousands are coming to know Jesus all because of the work he's doing and he's making it look so easy, but yet he's running over hurdle after hurdle. So in the book of Acts, as we end here today, we see that Paul is under house arrest. Paul is in prison, literally chained to a Roman guard, and he's still professing the good news of Jesus Christ. He is still attacking the hurdles in front of him. Throughout the book of Acts, we have seen this early church formed. We've seen it grow. We've seen thousands come to know and follow Jesus. In fact, at the very beginning of Acts chapter one, verse eight, a passage that we've studied a lot, you guys have heard it many, many, many times. We see that the Holy Spirit came upon the believers, promising to be with them every step of the journey as this early church is, is formed and grows, and that they would be strengthened by the Spirit, not having to rely on their own strength, but being uh, on the strength of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus Christ has sent, and that they would not only witness to Christ in their hometown of Jerusalem, but also to Judea and then to Sumeria and then to the ends of the earth. So not just in San Antonio, 
but to Texas, to the United States, and to the ends of the world, okay? Are you with me? Okay, so that was at the beginning of Acts. And we see that the promise that Jesus, this was before his ascension, he gave this promise in Acts chapter one, and the promise is fulfilled as we read all through Acts, how God continues to provide for Paul and Peter and all of the others who are sharing Jesus Christ. The promise was fulfilled, The gospel is spreading. People are coming to know him and follow Jesus in places far beyond Jerusalem. But there were many hurdles, many opportunities for Paul and others to say, nope, can't get over that one. But yet as we read, we see God's faithfulness as Paul continued to leap over the hurdles. In these final verses of the book of Acts, we see that the gospel of Jesus Christ does not end with Paul. It does not die with Paul. It does not end in a Roman prison. And it will continue long after Paul is gone. So in Acts 28, here's a little bit of context. We're not reading the whole chapter, of course. So just to get you up to speed, Paul has finally made it to Rome. After all of his journeys, he's made it to Rome, but he is under house arrest. He is in prison, chained to a guard, and yet he remains undeterred. People, he can't go out, but people can come in and see him. So he invites Jewish leaders to come into this house and he continues to share the gospel of Christ with them, both to the Jews and to the Gentiles alike. He invites people in and he likes to talk. Do we remember a few weeks ago when Paul talked all night long and the poor kid Eutychus fell out of the window and died because <laughs> he fell asleep and then Paul sort of like brought him back to life and it was a really great ending. But he, he talks a lot. Mike, kind of like Mike. His, his spiritual gift is talking. I don't know that Paul ever got hoarse, but um, if, he, if he didn't, I would be surprised. And so we see in verse 23 that he's, he's talking to these local Jewish leaders in Rome in the place where he's staying, and he preaches from morning until night. He is like, he is like determined. It's like a filibuster, you know? He's like got his tinnies on, and he's going to keep preaching until everyone's tired of him preaching, but he's testifying to the kingdom of God. He's committed to the word, to witnessing to Jesus Christ. He tries to convince these Jewish leaders in a language that they understand. He talks about the law of Moses, something that these Jewish leaders have taught themselves, have been practicing their whole lives, have been telling others to seek after. He talks about the prophets, some, some that these Jewish leaders have been studying forever and ever, ages and ages. He's using their language to get them to grasp hold of Jesus Christ. That all of these things that they know about the law and the prophets have been leading up to this moment. This is the one that was promised. He is here, let us receive him and enjoy him. He's eager and ready to share. He talks and talks, and he just doesn't miss an opportunity. I think if most of us were in a Roman jail, we would be like, poor me. I'm so sad that I'm chained to this darn thing, and I can't do anything. This hurdle is too big. I just, I'm the victim. I am really the victim of my circumstances. I cannot share the gospel because I'm stuck here. Paul didn't do that. And it wasn't because of Paul's own energy or his own, you know, perfection. He was a broken human, just like you and me, but was the power of the Spirit working through him, determining to share Jesus Christ with these people. So he uses language they understand. He reminds them of their ancestors who were called out of the wilderness into the promised land. He he reminds them of the promises of God. So what was their response to his preaching? Take a look at verse 24. 
Luke writes that some of the hearers were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Some of the hearers were convinced, others disbelieved. This is so typical, right? We might, you know, share something in here and half of you might leave going, yeah, that felt, that was really good. It touched my heart. And half of you might be like, boring, totally fell asleep there. Don't know what happened. We are all different. Some of us are more cynical. Some of us are more open. Some of us are a little bit more gullible and we might fall right into, sure, I'm on that bandwagon. I don't even know what I'm saying yes to. But as Paul teaches these leaders, some are really receiving this word and some are just not convinced and they're gonna be disbelieving. Just like Jesus told his disciples, when he sent them to share about the kingdom of God, Paul is not deterred by people not receiving this good word. He doesn't stop and say, well, some people weren't convinced, so I better stop sharing, otherwise I might bore people too much. He keeps going. Jesus told his disciples that if you're not received into certain homes, dust the, brush the dust off your, shake the dust off your feet and keep moving. Keep sharing, don't stop. Paul is sharing no matter what people, no matter how people respond, he doesn't stop. He's trusting the spirit will do the work in the hearts and lives of the hearers. Trusting that the seeds that are planted, God will do the work. So in verse 25, he continues, and it says, disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. And then he quotes Isaiah six, here we go. Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears, they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed. So he quotes this scripture from Isaiah, again, a book that these synagogue leaders have studied, have taught, have shared with other people, and they depart in disagreement. Makes you wonder as they left, were they debating, you aren't listening, you weren't hearing it, are you the heart that's dull or am I the heart that's dull? What are they disagreeing about? Are they disagreeing about the truth of Paul's message? Likely, I don't believe it, that can't be right. Jesus said this very same thing in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, he quotes this exact same scripture from Isaiah 6. He does it after he explains the purpose of parables. Everyone's confused and wondering, why are you talking in this way? Why are you illustrating these stories in such a strange fashion? And he quotes Isaiah 6, just in this same way. Jesus knew that the kingdom of God would be difficult to understand. Jesus knew that not everyone would understand and receive and come forward. Not everyone's hearts would be changed. Some would be spiritually unresponsive. That's a very reformed Presbyterian view on God's sovereignty. Not everybody turns, but some would. Some would hear the message and their ears and their eyes would open. Some's, some's hearts would be ready to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul acknowledges that some are not convinced, their minds and hearts have grown dull. They've become distracted and overly focused on the religion of the day, Judaism and all of its laws and procedures, doing it just right as some of us are want to do even in our world now. We talked last week about how stewardship and giving of our time and money has become sort of a checklist. Did we give? Yep. Did we give enough? Yep. Did we check it off? Yes. 
And we like to operate in that way because it feels like we accomplish something, like we're doing it right. How much should I tip? Is it 10% or 15%? Now it's 25%. I don't even know. Do I tip an Uber driver? I don't know. Do I tip at the Starbucks? Sure. I mean, do I always tip? Do I have to tip a little bit? We, we want rules and guidelines, just like these synagogue leaders. We want to follow the guidelines. And that's what they were doing, and they were doing it really, really well. But they'd gotten so caught up in that and lost sight of the truth of the saving hope of Jesus Christ, the freedom, letting go of the rules. It's not about guidelines. It's about receiving the grace of Christ and letting that pour out onto other people, joyfully giving for the glory of God. So then in verse 28, he says that the Gentiles will hear, will hear the good news of Jesus Christ and that they will actually listen. So this would have been a eh, 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 eh moment for the Jews. If he's telling this to the Jews, he's like, well, some of y'all aren't going to hear, but just guess what? The Gentiles, the non-promised people, the non-people of God, they're going to see this and they're going to receive it. Jewish people were probably not super happy hearing this. It was already knew that the Gentiles were allowed into the grace and saving grace of Jesus Christ. So when Paul says the Gentiles will listen and will receive this, the Jews might have felt that their feathers were a bit ruffled. Jewish people were the ancestors. The Jewish people were God's people that he chose to protect. But this new saving grace, this was not just about the rules of the past and it wasn't just about the ancestry and the, and the inheritance. It was open to all who would believe. And that included the Gentiles and they were ready with soft hearts to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. So Paul shares. He continues hurdle after hurdle to share about Jesus. The final two verses of the entire book of Acts says this. He, Paul, lived there for two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. With all boldness and without hindrance. Two more years he lived there, chained up, in under house arrest, and yet he continued to teach about the kingdom of God and about Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul had encountered hurdle after hurdle, but like Sidney, he was just leaping right over him, making it look easy. He was in prison and yet he continued the race. He didn't stop, he didn't say it was too hard. He had faith and he was bold. The hurdles didn't hinder the message of Christ without hindrance. And this was the, because of the power of the Holy Spirit that was promised at the beginning of the church before Jesus ascended into heaven. The book of Acts has come full circle. Holy Spirit's promised by Jesus before he leaves. Fast forward, Holy Spirit is still working in the life of Paul and in all who are receiving Jesus. Paul is making it from Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the earth. He's made it to Rome, which would have felt like the ends of the earth. He's continuing to share about Jesus Christ boldly and without hindrance. The gospel continues to spread through Rome even after Paul dies. This was the center of the world. Thousands and thousands of people have come to know Jesus Christ and will continue to know because of God's great plan and promise. But that includes all of us in this room. 
We are the inheritors of the disciples' faith and obedience all those years ago. Think about that for a moment. How often in your life do you feel unhindered? Just totally free to share Jesus Christ with everyone you come encounter with. Not worried about hurting people's feelings or ruffling feathers or making somebody feel uncomfortable. Not worried about how you're gonna come across. How often do we truly feel bold, given the strength beyond our own capacity to share what we believe? Being unhindered is quite unusual for us. I think we wake up, I personally wake up in the morning and I feel like the weight of crying children is on my shoulders. And I just can't get out of bed. I mean, the days that I just, I want to get up, but I'm like, oh, I just have so much to do before I even open my eyes. The list is already so long of get, find the socks and make sure the breakfast is ready and get the lunches packed. I mean, those are like hindrances. I feel hindered. I can't just sit and open my Bible and, and drink my coffee and, and read scripture for 30 minutes. That is not my life right now. It feels like a hindrance, like a hurdle too hard to jump over. But what God is calling us to is to go past those hurdles, not by our own will, not by our own power, but let him use us to do that. What hinders us the most? Often it's fear. We're too scared. We're too scared of what people will think. We're scared we'll lose our job or we won't have any friends or our cousin who's not a Christian will think that we're just that cousin who always talks about Jesus at the Thanksgiving dinner table. We're scared, right? So we keep our mouth shut. Don't talk about religion or politics at the dinner table. Guess what? Talk about religion at the dinner table. Let God use you to share his love with people around you, even when you're scared. And you know what? It won't always go over well. I'm sorry to tell you. It's not always perfect. Just like Paul, he encountered trial after trial and people weren't convinced and they maybe didn't like him for it and they felt ruffled, but he said it anyway because he was called by God to do it. I feel like we could all do more if we didn't feel so unhindered or so hindered. Do you sometimes feel limited, right? Like if, if I didn't have to take care of sick kids all the time, then I could share Jesus with more people. Or if I didn't need so much sleep, then I could actually do good work and not worry so much about myself. Do you feel limited by how much money you have? Well, I can't give like those people in the videos the last couple of weeks because, you know, I lost my job last year. What about that passage in Matthew that Carrie read for us early, earlier? The widow did not give out of abundance because she had a job. She gave out of her poverty because she was called by God to give for his glory. Maybe you feel like your talents are limited. Maybe you're like, I'm not good at anything. That was me for a long time. I wasn't an athlete. I didn't have musical talent. I wasn't the smartest person in my class. I just felt average because didn't have much to offer. How would God use me if I was just ordinary? I couldn't jump hurdles. No one in here can jump hurdles either, so I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> but this goes back to that scarcity idea we talked about last week. There's not enough. I'm not good enough. I couldn't possibly give more because my time is already at its limits. We're fearful that there won't be enough. But as followers of Christ, when we believe that all we have is from God, 
When it begins and ends with God, then we believe that he will use what he's given us for his glory on this earth in abundance. Just like that widow, there will be more than enough. You will be provided for because God in his abundance will provide. God's kingdom moves forward despite our limitations, despite the hurdles in our way. In fact, he uses those limitations for his glory. As conduits of the living water pouring in, bubbling over and out of us to others, God uses us. We can trust him. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your time and your money and your talents? Do you trust that his provision will bring healing and wholeness? Do you trust that his kingdom will have no end? That his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Unfortunately, we are not promised a life without problems. We are broken humans living on a broken world. This side of heaven, it's gonna be hard. We're gonna have struggles. We're gonna need support from others. We're gonna be selfish and stingy. But we can confess those things. We can lay them at the feet of Jesus and we can say, please, Lord, forgive me. Turn my heart and transform me by your power so that I might be open-handed and give for your glory. When we encounter those hurdles, instead of saying, well, I'm the victim, all these hurdles are in my way, not my fault, I've been trying to give, but you know, got these hurdles. Instead, offering the hurdles up to God and say, God, these have been put in my place, in front of me, use them, use me, and show me your will. The kingdom will continue. So what if we were all to preach the word of God and tell people about Jesus with unhindered boldness? What if everywhere we went, we couldn't help but sharing about Jesus? What if we were to give our entire selves to God? Our money, our time, our talents, everything to God. Not worrying about what we have left over for ourselves, not worrying about us, me, mine, but giving freely to the people around us for the glory of God. Again, starting with God's grace, it's all God's in the first place, giving it for God's glory and being thankful in the, in, the, in the meantime. What would that look like for you? As I shared last week, for me, it would be being less stingy with my time. Confessing that, you know, I am very, very, I hoard my time. How can I give more to God? Maybe it's being freer to share about your love with Jesus for, with strangers. The person that you see every day at the, at the Starbucks or at the dry cleaner. Paul was being faithful to the call that God had put on his life and he trusted Jesus and the power of the spirit to work through him. Even with the hurdles in his way, one after another, he unhindered, he boldly and unhindered went forward to share the good news of Jesus Christ. When we allow God to use us, we steward the gifts he's given us for his glory and he will do it. He will do it. We can trust that God will use us for his glory. We don't have to chink the marks on our belt to say, I shared with that person and I shared with that person and good for me because I did it. Because really it's not us doing it. Really, it's God doing the work through us. It's God's work, it's God's gifts, God's promises, and God is using us. When it starts and ends with God, we're more likely to have gratitude and graciously share with those around us. But just like Paul, sharing about Jesus to the Jewish leaders, there are people in our lives who will not be convinced. 
that's a hard thing, right? That's a hard thing to give everything you have and come away frustrated. Come on, people. You want to shake the people at the dinner table and say, believe it because it's good for you and God loves you and accept his love. And sometimes they won't. But do you trust that God is still doing his work in their lives? That he is using you. He doesn't need you, but he is blessed and pleased to use you, just as he did with Paul. God gets glory. It's easy to stop sharing when a door has been thrown up in our faces. When a boundary has put, been put there, when we've been pushed away, we feel hurt, we feel scared, we just give up on it. But those are just hurdles that God is going to help us push forward, shaking the dust off of our feet and keep moving on, sharing the love of Jesus with others. We, as I said earlier, we are the legacy of the obedience of the disciples' boldness 2,000 years later. We are a legacy church. FPC has had generations, 175 years of people that were faithful to God who have been in this church. Grandparents and great-grandparents. The church continues to thrive today because of their faithfulness and because they taught their kids at the dinner table. That's us, that's you and me because they taught their grandkids, because they shared their money with the city locally and with the world globally. As inheritors of this legacy, we get to continue to share the love of Christ within our own families and our neighborhoods and our nations. And the legacy will continue long after we're gone. It doesn't stop with you and it doesn't all depend on you because God has a plan much bigger and will use you in the moment that you're here and then will continue to use people forever as his promises are fulfilled. So what does that mean for us today here in this service? As an act of our worship, we give back to God what he has given us. We give thanks and we share generously. After the sermon, you'll have an opportunity to come forward. We have three tables set up up here, ready to receive not only just the regular tithes and offerings of the day, instead of passing our, our um, bags, we're gonna have people come forward to lay your offerings in the baskets. This is an act of worship. This is a, a moment to stop and to actually get up, walk forward and lay our gifts at the table. You also received a card, either in the mail or in your bulletin when you came in today. And this is a pledge card. This is a card saying, I'm gonna pledge to pray for the church for the next year. Or I'm gonna pledge to teach choir for every Wednesday night for the next year. Whatever it is, I'm gonna pledge to give X amount of money for the next year. If you're new with us today and you're going, oh my gosh, great, I picked the worst Sunday to come. They're asking me to turn in a card up front. I don't wanna put my name on that. You can just watch. Watch the folks around you come and share what God has given them. You can commit to praying for this church. If you're just visiting from out of town, I hope that whatever church you're involved in in your own hometown, that you have an opportunity to give back to that church for God's own glory. Again, it's not so that FPC can thrive. It's not so that you know we can do amazing things. It's so that God might be glorified in our giving. Pledging is kind of an antiquated thing where we, some of us new to church might go, I don't know, this is so weird. Why do we do this? But it is, it is an act of worship. 
It's a response to God's love for you. As we've read in the scriptures, Paul was focused, laser focused on sharing Jesus. So we have a chance after hearing the good news of Jesus to come forward and to share what God has given us for his glory in this world. What is the Jerusalem that you're living in right now? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, giving you the power to lay at God's feet the gifts he's given you, not only to bless Jerusalem, San Antonio, your own neighborhood, your own household, your own school, your own workplace, this church, but also the nation and the world, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God will multiply those gifts. So as we finish up here in a moment, I'm gonna say a prayer. We're gonna have some music playing. And this is a chance for the unhindered boldness of God to work through you. Put yourself out of it. Don't think about it as my money. Think about it as God's money. Don't think about it as my gifts, but as God's gifts. Don't think about yourself as your own. But you are God's own child, gifted and loved and created by him. He uses us in big and small ways to glorify him in all the earth. May we be bold and unhindered in our gratitude for God. May God be pleased for his glory. And may we share the love of Jesus with those around us. Let us pray. God, our heavenly father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you sent Jesus to die so that we might have life and life abundant. God, we know that you are a God of abundance and that you give freely of your gifts to us. But we cling so tightly to those gifts out of fear. Help us to release that fear. Help us to be transformed by your spirit. Help us to be filled up to overflowing by your living water so that that water might pour out on those around us. Prepare our hearts as we come forward today as families come to commit their gifts to you. May you multiply these offerings. May many, many be blessed, but more importantly, may you be glorified. We lay at your feet, Lord, use us according to your will. It is in your son's name that we pray.